0: We've always been uh, drawn to the supernatural. Uh, I don't know if we necessarily believe in it or not, but I'm always interested in hearing people's supernatural experiences or staying in a haunted place. You know, if someone says this place is haunted, I want to stay there and experience it. See if there's ghosts that will that, attack me or, or something like that. Yeah. So it's always something that we're, we've been fascinated by. Um, so the idea of a hand, it's like, what would be something that people would want to Experience and I know that I probably would as well. You know, if that hand's there, you can connect to a spirit. Sign me up. The hand is a physical representation of the themes. Uh, the film is about connections, true ones and false ones, and the hand is a false connection. Yeah. And Mia wanting to do the hand in this scene is, you know, she wants to connect to something to feel something. She sees her friend connecting with her love interest. She wants to feel something. Let's do the hand and connect to some. Look the hand. yeah, yeah. the hands are a big motif in the film. There's a lot of hand shots. A bit of a hand fetish you have, there's a lot. Talk to me.
1: Welcome to Speak All Evil, the podcast you were warned about. I'm Trent, here with Kevin and Dave. Hello. 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 Follow us on Instagram at Pod. I uh, wanted to mention real quick, if you like the music that you've heard on the breaks for the past three weeks, you like the music of Goddamn Chan, friend of the show, on all music platforms, god.damn.chan. Um, thank you, Chan. Really appreciate you uh, allowing us to level up our break music with your work uh, you can buy his stuff on Bandcamp. This week, the strike has struck Speak All Evil. <laughs> My God, first we're getting pulled off Spotify. Now, you know, this stuff rolls downhill. And as I said last week, we had a, a special guest planned for this week, Eric Bloomquist, the filmmaker behind uh, She Came From the Woods, which is now exclusive on Tubi. And uh, we were pretty excited to talk to him. He's done a bunch of stuff. He's from Connecticut, and she came from the woods, actually screened uh, in our area in the theater. And uh, I asked him about the strike just because I thought it would be a fun, topical thing to uh, inform ourselves and everyone else because everybody's talking about this strike. I didn't realize this is the first time in our lifetime that, our lifetimes anyway, that um, both writers and actors have been on strike at the same time. Wow. Last time that happened was 60 years ago.
2: I would like to talk to some of our friends in the industry more about the strike and how it's going to affect people, because I don't think we realize now, it's just a headline, but it's going to affect every single person, and everybody watches TV, and everyone goes to the movies, and... Uh, there's actually a big surge right now. I feel like everyone is going out to summer movies whether it's right. like the big blockbusters Yeah. or whatever. Everyone's going out to the movies and then we're not going to have any Barbenheimer's not going to happen. There's a certain point where I wonder like aren't there like all these people especially like Hollywood Aren't there like leeches
3: that are probably just coming out being like, I'll write for you for scabs. half? A- yeah, scabs. Yeah, scabs. <laughs> you know,
2: there must be tons of those being like, I'll write right? your.
3: It's going to be like the baseball strike. All of us will get a shot. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's what we'll make our movie.
3: I'll be starting third base for the Red Sox next season.
1: We won't be podcasting anymore. We'll be making feature films, baby. Namaste, non-union, <laughs> no insurance. Let's go.
3: <laughs> that is true. We've had a lot of guests on in the past. I'd like to, uh, you know, reach out to some of those, some of those folks, and just see what does, what are the long-term effects. Uh, yeah. And I also don't really have, you know, we can only really get our our news from the media, like Dave mentioned. It's a headline right now, but that's all we're really going to get is a headline. Right. I'd like to know. You know, even if this thing wraps up quickly, what does that really mean? Right. Uh, and what's the holdout? Like, what, like we don't know, and, and and maybe some of the people in the industry don't either. Um, in terms of like negotiations with you know between a union and and the executives, but I'd like to know: could this go on for six months, a year? I mean, the right. last writer strike we had was what, like early aughts, like early two yeah. thousands, maybe. That fucked things up pretty good. I mean, it fucked up some pretty good shows. Right. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm not going to die on the on the show Heroes, but I remember being way into that show, and the writer strike came around, and that show went to fucking shit. And that's just an example that is coming off the top of my head. But yeah, uh, there's going to be a lot. You know, people. Uh, Deadpool three. I feel like
1: that strike that you're talking about was partially responsible for some of the reality TV surge. And I think it's sometimes responsible, not the strike, but some of the issues at hand are responsible for the reason that Netflix is filled with a million shitty documentaries because all they have to do is go get a bunch of footage and interviews and stuff like that, and somebody patches it together, and it kind of actually sucks, but it didn't take any writers, and it didn't take any actors, right?
2: Yeah, it's like you watch a documentary... You spend, like, 12 hours, and you're like, oh, wait a minute, this guy just robbed a bank. <laughs> robbed one bank, and he's got his own documentary.
1: He wasn't haunted?
3: No, There's <laughs> so, a, a lot of podcasts like that right now, too, where you can listen to, like, 15 episodes, and then you get to the end, you're like, wait, what?
2: Yeah, right. Yeah. Well, when this, you know, the, the ripple effect of this strike hits... Dave's '80s Week is going to be the hot <laughs> new thing. Everyone's going to.
1: That's right. Yeah, the new stuff is still is is out right now, but every, things are are paused. There are, are films were in production, TV shows in production, can't do anything. And I wanted to talk about that with Eric, and uh, I scared him. Unfortunately, I I shouldn't have mentioned anything because then uh, his wheels got turning, and he started thinking about some of the complications of his own situation. Um, you know, she came from the woods is now exclusive on Tubi. Tubi is owned by Fox, Fox is a struck studio, he didn't just direct the movie, he did other things, and he started talking about his lawyer, and uh, so we, <laughs> we got to reschedule. You,
2: you know who I bet could really uh, teach us a lot about this is our good friend Josh Rubin. Maybe Josh would come back, and because he's not shy to talk about the writer's strike at all, he's uh, at the forefront of my social media anyway, going hard on this and a lot of it's hilarious
1: (laughs) yeah yeah i mean he's not directing that i know of right now so maybe he'd have maybe have some time so what we've had to do here is scramble quickly because we don't want to miss a week and uh that was the episode that we were going to do so uh thankfully there were there have still been enough films that were already produced that the three of us were were able to get it together and we all went and we saw talk to me
2: I saw Barbie. I thought you said Barbie. <laughs> <laughs>
3: I went and saw Sound of Freedom, <laughs> and it's weird. It was a sold-out theater, but nobody else was there except me, and the air conditioning didn't work.
2: That's one thing I'd like to thank about Barbenheimer is today. Kevin and I went to a matinee, and we were like the only ones in there. And there was uh, two people behind us, I think,
1: maybe four. There were four other people
3: in that theater, yeah.
1: Yeah. Barbenheimer shut me down last week trying to see Terrifier, and it's like one week run. I went at nine o'clock on a Monday night to see Terrifier. I mean, I just showed up when it was time to show up, and the place was absolutely out of control, bonkers, line from the counter to the door. Uh, There was no way I would have been any less than 20 minutes late to Terrifier, had to shut it down. And then uh, when I went to see Talk to Me, the other night, I, I made sure I got there very early. I, I stalked around outside the theater for a while, watching, watching, counting. I had a good view of the counter, uh, and Barbie was at 9:20, mine was at 9:15, and I just had to get in there a little bit early and, and sit in the theater for a little while. Um, but then, when I when I came out to use the bathroom at one point. The entire theater, was the, the lobby, was just trash. It was trash everywhere. Paper towels and uh, stuff all over the floor. I couldn't believe they had been just ransacked by these, <laughs> these barbers. Barbers. <laughs> uh, but we did it. We saw the new A24 Australian film, Talk to Me. It's not playing. I don't know how widely it's playing, um, but it is playing uh, at our, our local small theater. And uh, I love this movie. So fucking good. Kevin, talk to me.
3: (laughs) (laughs) I saw this twice. So it came out this week and I love this whole new like Thursday. It used to be like Thursday at midnight. You could go see like a Friday release and then like everything that's been commercialized. Yeah. It's like they'd throw a nine o'clock on there. Well, fuck it. Now they're like, guess what? It's out Thursday. (laughs) So I went and saw uh the first showing of it on Thursday afternoon. Uh, fantastic and then uh, dave and i like you said we went, we went again today so uh, i'd go see this as many times as i possibly could I'm going and again. or afford in the theater uh this is a new one not to steal your thunder but you didn't save it for the pod Trent. but instant classic it's it's right up there and and the studio a24 which by the way speaking of a strike they've already come to terms uh, and agreed to a lot of the things that the writers and the actors are asking oh, for. Well, that's all we need. Then that's great. Get We've rid of all the for. other. Ones. I don't know yeah. how that works. See again, this is why we need some sure people that know exactly something <laughs> about something to come on and talk about it. But again, another home run for them. Um, and they continuously, you know, really spread the wealth out globally. So I love the fact this is an Australian production uh, done by uh, was it Danny and Michael Filippu? Yeah, Filippu. Uh, I'd never heard of these guys, but apparently they're really big YouTube stars. Yes. So Raka.
1: <clears throat> never heard of it. Not me neither.
3: Sounds like something that maybe I wouldn't care all that much about, but they got big doing like the YouTube thing with like horror, comedy, live action, yeah. something or other. Sound like yeah. some real pranksters there. But basically, you've got the story of, of Mia. Uh, but really, overall, you've got the story of this viral sensation. That her and her friends have heard about where these kids have a hand, a uh, supposed hand, and they never make it clear. Is it a a shaman or is it a psychic, a medium, a Satanist? It's a real human hand. It's like a mummified hand. You hold the hand. You say, talk to me. You see a spirit and then you say, "I, I let you in. The spirit then inhabits your body. You're not supposed to let it go for more than 90 seconds. If you do, the spirit now is in you and can, well, basically will try to convince you to try to kill yourself so that they can now claim your
1: soul. For eternity and Adds you, in, add you uh, to the limbo ranks whatever.
3: of the dead or whatever. Yeah. Uh, it's an interesting movie to watch right now because I did just talk about Insidious and just went and saw that fifth one. That's a whole series about sort of like the dead trying to inhabit the living and the whole... Um, You know, like Netherworld, I also just tortured myself and went through all the Conjuring movies. So all these, like, supernatural, like, haunting things, I'm pretty up to speed in terms of what's happening from a contemporary franchise point of view. This was so fucking refreshing in terms of, like, that. You know, it could have just been another, like, spooky, ooh, these kids are getting haunted, there's some... Well, let's get to the bottom of this. Let's dig out our books and our microfiche, and let's go yeah, find a shaman. Yeah. And none of that. No, all bets are off. Very kind of it follows. Yeah. In terms of no rules, don't go into this movie thinking you're gonna have exposition or anything explained to you. No, it's just scary. It's just fucked up. And at the end of the day, it's very bleak. Uh, I fucking loved it.
2: I also loved it, and I am over here daydreaming. About this communist state of only A24 movies. That, oh, that would be, I didn't even think of, you know, it maybe it'll weed out these fucking Coca-Cola American ass, you know, Hollywood movies that are just operating only on making money. If they stop making money, maybe they'll go into some other business where people, you know, like yeah. mediocre shit, you know, like fast food or something. And they'll stay out of our movies.
1: Yeah, you know, um, a, a friend of mine just recently sent me a, a reel on Instagram, and it was a reel of a guy making fun of A24 movies, like spoofing, you know. And uh, I kind of took offense to it, and I, I just I had to say ha ha, but I wasn't laughing. I didn't think it was funny at all. No, I mean they have not missed, in my opinion.
2: Um, I've heard polarizing things about is Afraid*, and I haven't even gone to see it uh, I because forgot it's about such it. a big <laughs> commitment. But I uh, was in here with a producer named one pound yesterday and he was saying that it's amazing. Hmm. It's one of the best movies he's seen in a long time. So I'm refreshed again. Uh, I haven't seen anything that I've not liked. that has been a two four. Me neither. Uh, the closest thing would be maybe I was a little bit bored, uh, during the green night at one point, but then other parts of it, did you guys see the green night? No. Hmm. Maybe we'll talk about on the pod. It's pretty good. Um, But this movie, I thought the trailer looked a little lackluster. It kind of looked like it had just one of those, like, Ouija vibes, like the first Ouija. Yeah. Not the origin, but the the original one that was all teens. Just just watched
3: both of those recently as well.
2: (laughs) Yeah, very different from each other, those two movies. Um, But the first one... I thought this was going to be like that, some teeny bopper thing, they're in a house and they have this thing, and they're doing the supernatural shit, but this really made all those other movies like, this is how you should do it, this yeah. is how you can do it, this is how you can pull it off, pretty minimalistic, uh, and just character driven, and psychologically, like you said, mean.
1: It is mean. When.
2: Oh, it's time for the mean talk. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Uh, We like movies that are mean. Whenever Trent says a movie is mean, I know that I need to go see that movie because that just means that when you actually, as a viewer, care about the characters and you want them to pull the punch, they don't. And right. You know what I mean? The, you, like, oh, the, the eyeball.
3: You know what the I fucking mean. fucking
2: eyeball. There's a great eyeball scene in this that it's not your usual eyeball shooting out. Like, whenever an eyeball's involved, it's usually slapstick. It's like, the Evil Dead is the classic one. Right. It's usually a little cringy, a little slapstick. This was just like some fucking real-ass weird shit. There's also toe-sucking, shrimping. Didn't we just talk about that? Is that, that what he's called? Yeah, it's called shrimping. Is that your kink of the week? <laughs> yes. Yes, it will be. Um, my wife has a broken leg. It's been in a cast. She hasn't washed, washed her foot in like a month.
1: Are you shrimping it?
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the only way to keep it clean. I've never heard of this shrimping. You haven't? I thought that we had that on an episode recently for the first time. I thought maybe, what was it Sergoy? Did he lick toes? Somebody licked some toes. But anyway... Yeah, this, this movie reminds me of all of the things that you know you guys were saying. It's up there with Hereditary for me, which is a big high one. Movies that actually scare me. This movie actually scared me. Trent,
1: talk to me. Speaking of Hereditary, did you guys know that uh, this, now that here we are at the end of the weekend, this movie did $10 million at the box office, about twice expectation, $4.5 million budget. This was the second highest opening in the history of A24. Yeah. you know what number one was?
3: Midsummer Hereditary. Hereditary. oh, was it? <laughs> that was an easy one. That was an easy oh, one. Oh, wait. It's the, it's the biggest since Midsummer. <laughs>
2: wow, that's amazing because it's also going up against those blockbusters we were talking about.
1: Yeah, well- I wonder if they're getting spillover. Well, we're talking 10 million versus 250 million. <laughs> <laughs> um, this This is, yeah, everything you guys mentioned, I thought of this as the cursed object, which goes back to like the monkey- Claw and Stephen King always we've talked about does the cursed object plus Ouija plus possession this is a very exorcist in a lot of ways so it's kind of a, a mashup of those three different genres and uh, I didn't you know I didn't even realize this was Australian because I was I was avoiding everything about this movie. Uh, and so I just went and I watched it and, and right away, okay, it takes place in Australia. The accents are thick. I I, I had a hard time. Honestly, I thought, a, I can't wait to see it again. If I had time before tonight, I would have seen it again. But sometimes it can be hard to follow the conversations, especially if you're a caption guy and these thick Aussie accents are just flying around. So I was really trying to keep up there. But I didn't, I was thinking while I was watching it, man, you know, Australian horror, Babadook. I'm thinking this is as good as the Babadook, but this is meaner than that. This is bleaker than that. And I didn't realize that these guys, the Philippos, they worked on the set of the Babadook. And uh, not only that, um, Causeway Films, at least was partially produced this movie and produced the Babadook. Um The producer of this movie talked to me, Samantha Jennings, she co-founded Causeway Films and she knew these guys from working on the Babadook. So it all makes sense. And, and they, they said that they worked really closely with her on you know making this movie tight and making it punchy and uh, this is this is an indie now we we say it's A24 but this premiered in Australia last October then it went to Sundance this past January then A24 jumped on it they acquired it I don't know how much for but this these guys went indie and and they actually had tried to sell this script in Hollywood they moved to LA Specifically, to sell this script. And I, I read a great review, uh, a great interview with them on uh, rogerebert.com right now. They talked about how they were shopping the script, and all anyone wanted to do was start making changes, start make, taking creative control, tell them to not do this and that they should do that instead. And they said it was just like a whirlwind of people trying to right away cramp the vision. And they walked away from some deals because they didn't want to be that first time feature filmmaker that gets a deal but they sacrifice everything to get that deal and end up putting out some piece of shit that nobody's happy with that isn't the original vision of what they had so great story of like sticking to sticking to the vision you've got something you believe in it you might have to walk away from a deal and you know you end up with an instant classic like this really really great just a, just a great time can't wait to see it again and if you want actors to get paid and you want writers to get paid the best thing you can do is not tweet uh, or post instagram go to the movies the whole thing is about streaming residuals these companies are shadowy they're sketchy they don't tell anybody how much these movies are getting watched they don't tell the writers and the actors how much they should be getting paid how much you know they don't let them in on the math so really the way to get these people paid go to the movies, it's 10 bucks, it's not a big deal. The joke about the movies being expensive from the 90s, I I really just, that's not a thing anymore. Bring your snacks, they don't care. Go see, talk to me.
2: I was just looking up uh, Australian horror movies because um, I had been researching uh, Next of Kin a little while ago, an early, early John Jarrett horror movie. Yeah. And I had read somewhere that the first Horror movie that came from Australia was not until the seventies, and I couldn't find confirmation of that just now. But I read somewhere that, like Next of Kin, was early on in that in the eighties, early eighties. But they have a fairly fresh horror canon, and everything they've done has been so good. There's so many good Australian horror movies.
1: Yeah, that that makes sense. I mean, I think the seventies was um, people talk about exploitation. There was this whole era of sort of Australian exploitation movies, not all of them horror, you know, action. Like we've talked about Crocodile Dundee. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we, we've talked about the the Nazi exploitation and the prison exploitation and all that stuff. So there's kind of a whole subgenre of Australian movies from that 70s era.
3: Yeah. I mean, I think the pandemic, too. I mean, I think that whole area got a lot of attention. You know, news, this was made, you know, shot in New Zealand uh, and like everything and, during the pandemic. Yeah. And in, 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 um, in the director's uh, part of Australia that they're from. Um, I think it's great. Uh, I actually was a little overhyped going into this because I had heard a lot about this, and when it did screen in Australia and New Zealand first, um, I can't remember who it was, but there was another podcast, and somebody had just come back from that film festival, and they were saying it was the single most terrifying experience that they had had in a movie theater. So that was the first thing I heard about this movie. Uh, and like you, Dave, like I'm a huge fan of Australia, and it's kind of surprising that it's been more of like a contemporary uh, wave of horror because you know Australia was a, a prison colony to start with, so you think that they would have been pretty horrible out some pretty <laughs> too soon, some pretty f- yeah too soon,
2: <laughs> too soon. They didn't want to uh, make. So movies. I actually
3: went into this the first time. With, like, really high hopes and maybe a little bit of a chip on my shoulder. Like, really? This is the most terrifying fucking thing you've ever seen uh, in the theater? Like, not yeah. just this year, but maybe ever? So I was a little bit like, all right. Um, so the honestly, the first, I watched this on Thursday with a little bit of a chip. And I'm very glad that I got to see it a second time. Uh, A little more relaxed because it wasn't until after I left the theater and got home and started thinking about it that I was and really starting to add up the pieces and hold it up against everything that we've already talked about all the movies, past, present that I really and then today it was just like. Holy fuck! Like this is one that I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to own this one. You know I'm gonna. This is one that, regardless of what happens with it streaming, I'm gonna need to be able to watch this whenever I want to. And it good. honestly, it scared me more. I don't know if you noticed. There's a few times like I jumped today. <laughs> well, and I knew what was coming after like, the first two jump
2: scares. I noticed me and Caitlin were both looking at you because we know knew you had seen it before.
3: But it was s- still and
2: we're getting looking for me. like your body <laughs> yeah. language. Like, is this gonna get us? Like, it's
3: very. Uh scary and suspenseful. A lot of the other movies that we've talked about, and especially Insidious, you know, Conjuring, I don't want to like dump on a wand here. I do like those movies. They rely heavily on jump scares or really drawn out scenes where they they don't get you three times but on the fourth time the camera yeah, pan yeah, or yeah, yeah. the the carousel going around this one does not fuck around like some of the terror in this I'm getting goosebumps now thinking about one particular scene that involves a table it's just relentless and then you look and like it it was only like 10 seconds but it's it's legitimately like terror doesn't mean that something has to make you scream Sometimes terror is literally putting in front of you, "Holy fuck! I can't believe this is happening before my eyes right now." It might not, it might not have scared you in like the traditional sense of the word, but this movie, kind of, kind of like it follows. It follows. Doesn't have a whole lot of gotcha moments, and this movie essentially is one giant gotcha. Like yeah. by the end of it,
2: I, I like the way that uh, it was realistic in how the kids didn't go to their parents they didn't go to the police there wasn't a priest involved it was just them making viral videos yes of love it. it and and love going it. to that crazy place it was very much like a drug or it was very much yes. like uh um, yes. all jacked up and full of worms yep. where where it, they're doing it to party they're like yes. passing the thing around and yes. that and they're playing trap music uh, and i thought that part of it Uh, just gave it, like, realistic depiction, not, like, grown-ups writing for like teens but like the way teens actually are
1: that's what I loved about it too it reminded me of like the Tide Pod challenge and (laughs) all these stunts because that's how the main characters become aware of the game as they're looking at their phones and they're seeing it's so creepy it shows you I didn't know what was going on it shows you them looking at their phones they're like on Instagram or TikTok or whatever and they're showing like these kids that have black eyes at a party like being possessed and flopping around like the exorcist and they're going ah this is sick you know we should go to one of these parties to do this party they do these possessions you know It's like a, it's a viral challenge. Will you touch, will you hold the hand and say, talk to me? And then will you say, I let you in? Will you dare to be possessed? And none of them, like you said, they don't think anything of it. It's just a cool video. And as soon as the the person is possessed, everyone at the party just pulls out their phone and starts filming it. And so you have this, um, it, it, it recreates this thing that you see in the real world now where something happens, some terrible thing happens. And everybody just pulls out their phone and starts filming it. And you have this like immediate disassociation. Everything, you know, you see something happening, you pull out your phone and start filming it. And there's that scene where there's a whole room full of people, just like you see these tragedies, like, oh my God, everybody was filming him and nobody helped him. So this room full of kids and they're just filming it. And so now this event that's right in front of your eyes now this is just another thing on the screen, it's just another reel, it's just another TikTok, it's just a good time. And uh, and definitely very much like, and I, I liked, it was subtle, but the drug thing definitely was like, we're going to the party to do this new drug also. But it was much subtler than a lot of movies that we talk about that are kind of like drug allegories, addiction allegories, that element was in there too. That was really smart, I thought. Have you ever smoked salvia? Um I took like a the tiniest hit one time because I was uh, scared. Yeah, you're gonna
2: take a lot. I, <laughs> but when you take a lot, the funny thing about Salvia is people um they like fall down, right? Yeah, the, well you have to have like a spotter because you're you're gonna fall out of your chair, or whatever. And when you do it, it's not like you're just doing drug, whatever. Everyone's looking at you. <laughs> Everyone's staring at you right, to see your right. reaction because yeah, it's yeah. so extreme. But it only lasts like ninety seconds. <laughs> You know, it's just like this. That's what this was like. Yeah, yeah, they have to stop it after 90 seconds or they go to a place or whatever. I, I did think that, like, how... There's a few things that were a little abrupt to me. First of all, that they see this video and then all of a sudden the hand is there. If it's such a phenomenon on the internet...
3: No, they they like, the videos they were watching were from the people's friends. houses. That's why they were trying to yeah. get to that house. Yeah. Oh, okay. Because they knew the people that had the hand now and were posting those videos. Right,
2: but a lot of times we... Talk about how we're glad they didn't over-explain all this backstory and all that. This does that same thing. You don't really know why. Well, it
3: does. I mean, we talk about cell phones a lot. That comes up. How do you deal with cell phones when you're doing a modern movie? it makes total sense that these guys were YouTubers and they would understand that entire culture because exactly. they dealt with it brilliantly. Yes. And the other thing this movie does really well, and that also does a favor to the lack of let's go to the library and research everything, this only takes place in like a day and a half. Right. I mean, this thing is like two, maybe two nights. Right. And so it's it's super realistic in terms of, Uh, They don't really have time to call the parents. They don't really have... it. it, It's legitimately real in how it would go viral, and it would start kind of in a contained area. It goes viral before the parents find out about it. Yeah, the kids are hip to it, and they're doing it very quickly, and it also is incredibly realistic in terms of, like, how... The, the group that has the hand at first seems relatively small, but it's that classic drug thing where like, all right, all it's gonna take is like introduce one or two extra people that want to do a little bit more of the salvia or a little bit more and overdo it, and boom, gets right. very, very uh, on point there from a realism
1: perspective. And the, the reason that parents do find out is because, of course, it gets out of hand and somebody does get hurt. And I wanted to talk about this, the practical effects I think it's pretty much all practical. I mean, I don't know. I shouldn't say all. It's a lot of great practical effects in this. And there's a scene when the kid gets hurt, Riley, who reminded me a lot of uh, Barry Kagan from um, Banshees and, and Sacred Deer. He mm. kind of looked like that guy a lot. And he does an amazing job. The The scene of him destroying his own face. Spoiler alert. <laughs> wow. I was, I was looking away. I was like, oh, my God. I was crying out. Uh, audibly in the even theater, even the like, second time. Oh he's God. just starting to recover. And oh, like... oh, so brutal. I mean, it really—it's not a gory movie, and and the filmmakers talked about mm. not wanting to do gore for gore's sake, but they—I squirm. Are not? Yeah, me. they're not shy. Yeah.
3: No, they did it all very well, and, and I think the the quick timeline helped everything out, too, because people didn't really have a chance. That that was one thing that I was really surprised. This is a short movie. I was shocked at—I I didn't look minutes. at it, yeah. but it's like, yeah, it's got to be like an hour and a half. It's, it yeah. happens pretty quickly. Um, not just within the confines of the movie and the timeline, but the actual running time as well. And I thought that that did it a lot of favors in that you didn't have time to like really start to get into some of that stuff with yes. uh, the kid Riley. Yeah. Um, and then the whole like all of the di- there's a lot that's crammed in here pretty. Yep. You know, it's succinctly Yeah. Condensed and is it expects a you to word. just you
1: have to follow it. You have to stay with it.
3: Yeah, and I did love the fact that, you know, everything that I've seen about these guys is is pretty entertaining. You can definitely tell that they probably got their start, you know, being entertainers and getting people to follow them. Uh, but one of the realism things that they were talking about is when they were doing some of these practical effects and some they, like the possession scenes, which are very... They're not, like, wildly original. They're just very tastefully done. Right. They're classic. They were talking about how one of the inspirations was they, they were growing up and they were watching some neighbors that they had experiment with drugs. And one of their neighbors was having a horrible reaction to the drug while his siblings or friends filmed it and posted it online. Oh, my God. And they remembered feeling, like wow, that's pretty fucked up. And that is sort of how the wheels started turning for some of the possession things. Because, I mean, I don't know about you guys, maybe I'm wrong, but, you know, if we were playing this game and one of you guys did what some of the possessed people do in this movie, the last thing I'd be doing is filming and laughing. I'd be like, this is super fucked up. Uh, But, again, that's probably just them kind of heightening this whole, like, the TikTok generation probably would be like, holy fuck, I'm going to get, like, a couple million views if I post this. And and that's also the group dynamic, too.
1: It You know, there's there's a different dynamic when it's one person and when it's 20 people at a party. uh, It's pretty... Pretty bad when YouTubers think that you're filming inappropriately. You know, I, I hate YouTubers. This is the first positive experience I've ever had with a YouTuber. These guys are great. Maybe they're not all so bad. I actually kind of liked Influencer that came out this year. Oh, I haven't seen the Influencer. Yeah, yeah is that, that's good? Pretty good, yeah. Yeah.
2: I was thinking about what you were saying, Kevin, about how none of, these, none of this is really crazily original. I mean, how many movies have we seen where people are talking to the dead? We've already named the ten other movies that are reminded us. Yeah, of, so, yeah, compelled to self-harm. You know, the Evil Dead—that's like the classic thing in that. Yeah, hallucinating of that. people. You know, but it—it it somehow does everything so tastefully, right? And it mashes it all together. And I—I I love the pace of this movie. I noticed at the one-hour mark it is completely bonkers, um, and that's. You know, to me, that's where a movie should that, and then be And then it's taking
3: in. you right home from there.
2: Oh, yeah. It's such yeah. a smooth
3: landing. Yeah.
2: Such a... It's such... A, uh, it's really good.
3: Yeah. I, I mean, there's a lot of elements that we haven't touched on because you do have, like, uh, parental loss in this. You have... There are parental aspects of this that we haven't touched on. They really get that. And I, if I were a betting person, I would say that a lot of the interference from studios when they were shopping this would have been to... Let's make this an hour and fifty two minutes like a conjuring movie and we need more meet cute scenes with the boyfriend and the girlfriend. Right. And we need more of the parental stuff. But like what was there was so much more visceral because it was so quick and, and just it didn't nuanced. overexplain explain even the relationships. It's very
1: character driven and there like you said, there there's there's a, a character story, there's more than one. That's going on in this movie with the main character whose mother has died, and she's she's just still dealing with the grief of her mother's death. Um, and she's taken she's this she's kind of adopted this other family, her friend's family. Everything in this is character driven, but it doesn't over explain it. and It doesn't over serve it to you. It just kind of lets you understand it. And it's that's so important. Um, and and like you said, Dave, it's it's not reinventing the wheel. It's and we've talked about that before. a a great rock song doesn't have to reinvent the the wheel or a great rap song or whatever it is, bluegrass, blues, traditional music, folk music, that it works with things that are handed down, that are traditional through the ages. And you don't have to invent a whole new thing. You just have to do it right. You know, it's really, it's inspiring to see that.
3: I'm not going to pretend that I noticed this. I I only, I'm only going to shout this out because after seeing it today, I did watch a couple interviews with the director's and they talk about how deliberately uh, everything is from Mia's point of view, basically. So Mia being the main character here, right. and how even though they go through a series of possession scenes, Mia is not the only one that plays the game and gets possessed. Right. The only spirits you see are hers. You never. They never show another spirit other than from her perspective. I didn't notice that. And if you think about it now. Uh, and I was just coming from a viewing of it it's totally true yeah but they talked about how everything in terms of like what perspective you're seeing seeing it from was very deliberate so I mean I don't know if someone's listening to this and you haven't seen it yet you know maybe you'll pick that up yeah a, another
1: th- a, another thing that I saw the filmmakers talking about that I didn't notice is the embalmed hand that they're doing these these rituals with that's that's not the only hand focus in the movie. Now thinking back, now that I've I've heard the filmmakers talk about how they wanted to focus on hands throughout the film, and how much hands mean in human relationships and communication. Everything from handshaking and high fiving to hold my hand. And Danny Filippo was it talked about. He's he was in a, a bad car accident when he was 16 years old. It uh, really messed him up. They thought he might have snapped his spine. He was in the hospital and. He talked about being in the hospital and just shaking, and not being able to stop shaking, and his sister finally coming there and getting there and holding his hand, and he said how it instantly calmed him. And so now thinking back, if you when you watch the movie, pay attention to how much hand play is going on besides the embalmed hand.
3: And the shrimping.
1: And...
2: Footplay and a great dog French kissing scene, <laughs> yeah, amazing bulldog. It. The pet gets it, he's just like <laughs> licking tongues, which is what all dogs want to be doing anyway. They just can't lick human tongues. How about that opening
1: one take? That opening scene, all one shot, is yeah. Shot? It's, oh, I didn't even notice that. Yeah, it shows the opening scene is a guy coming, he goes all the way, he's from the sidewalk outside the house into this house where a raging party is going on all through the house to the back bedroom fi- to find his brother that's all one long shot oh. and they shot that scene last the first scene that you see in this movie is the last scene that they shot and it was a big party and they felt like the whole movie like built up to that scene and they had extras coming in people were strangers were showing up people were stealing things and partying and that door that the guy breaks down was the 10th door Oh wow! They, they, and they only had 10. They had 10 doors and they got it on the last shot. So good. And then the end of that scene is like, it's explosive. You don't see it coming. It's loud. The sound design in this is really, really good. Big roll. That,
2: that first part there, uh, when he does break the door down, I was a little distracted because he puts his shoulder in the door, completely breaks the door and the guy goes... You're gonna break my door. <laughs> Do you, anyone else notice that? Or like my
3: mom's door or something? Yeah, you're gonna break like, my
2: mom's door. It's like already in half, bro.
3: Oh, that is, it's a great uh, cold open, and that only served to have me be like, "Okay, yeah, you got me. You know, you're that's right. Bring that, it. That's all it takes like, is
1: that one scene. You're like, oh yeah, this is legit. This is for real. Also, I loved the um, the roadkill scene. Oh, we haven't seen one in a while, heartbreaking. but that, that's a that is a long time tested horror movie opener where the first thing that happens, you are people driving in a car going wherever they're going to a party or whatever and they hit something in the road or something's dead on the side of the road. They, yeah. Th- I mean, this does that. Right after the opening scene, you have the roadkill scene. It's a kangaroo in this case. It's a brutal, it's a sad scene and it, you know, comes back around, of course, you call back to it toward the end of the movie but that was just another thing. It almost
2: serves as a harbinger in it a is. way. It is, yeah. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, yeah it's always, I, I never realized at the beginning of... uh Train to Busan has a great, uh, the deer that gets hit and then it comes back to life. That's
1: a constant, yeah. We haven't seen one in a while, so I was excited. Like, oh, Roadkill Harbinger. Nice. (laughs) It's doing it. Talk to me, Kevin. (laughs) 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 I let you in. (laughs) Well, you know, we have, I, I don't know where this came from. But Dave brought a—is uh, it ceramic? I don't know—is a sculpture of a hand on a on yeah. a yeah, uh, on a base. it's
2: just like the thing, just facing upward. But if we hold it, we have the candle right here. We got a candle, and we got the hand. Oh, we got we the could, candle. Yeah, the candle's right if here. That, it's that's already... part of the, You
1: have to blow out the candle. You have to light the candle first. Do the hand, then blow out the candle to end it. Right. Well, I don't know if we should if we should keep rolling while we do the possession yeah, or. We
2: should. <laughs> Did you guys see any, uh, well, I know I went with Kevin, any trailers for new movies that uh, you're excited about when you went to the theater? What, what trailers did you see?
1: It's uh, escaping me now. I did. Oh, um, I haunting don't know. Haunting in
3: Venice? What? Yeah, haunting, haunting or Murder in Veni- haunting Venice. Haunting in one. Venice. Oh, I didn't see that.
2: Haunting in Venice looks very good. And then we also saw the trailer for...
1: Exorcist Believer. Yes. Oh, that's right. Exorcist Believer. Destined and
3: to stink. David Gordon Green, who no, totally... F- you were into it until I told you <laughs> who it was.
2: I wasn't into it. <laughs> you until the original not. mom. The original mom from The Exorcist is in it. And I was like, oh, wow. But I now know that that guy is just going to pay someone to come back and make some cockamamie story.
1: That ties him into I'm, it. I am always ready. I want it. to like every movie, but this guy just fucked up Halloween so bad. I mean, Rob Zombie is a god compared to fucking David Gordon Green. Those movies are just. I mean, I didn't even. I I, I can't say I didn't see ends because I, I hated what I, what I had seen previously so much. So I'm very skeptical. Maybe he learned. Maybe he learned some things from his trilogy. His you Halloween haven't trilogy. seen ends? Why would I see ends? I, I mean, it's- We also
2: saw, well, we just saw ads
1: for the Haunted Mansion. I'm sure Kat's going to be at that one. <laughs> well, speaking of, uh, we we talked about the mythology of this movie and how it's not over-explained and they don't really get into it. They have, the, makers, the filmmakers had a, they called it the mythology Bible. They had a really thick- Book of all the mythology. They actually did a lot of backstory about where this hand came from and all of that stuff. And they did much, much more than they used. And they said that they want to do a sequel, so that because they already have all the material, they already know the answers that we're wondering about. They did so much work on it that they both said that they are game to do a sequel. Uh, they have another movie already written and ready to go. Uh, it's called
3: Bring Her Back. New Zealand just the bring Air. her
1: back. The air in sounds New Zealand like the middle the you... It, it does it sounds like the sequel to this. It's a great title. I want to see a movie called Bring Her Back by These Guys. Definitely. Next week, we don't know. Uh we're No, this, I like Kevin's idea. This would have been next week. Oh, we'll just go with Yeah, because it would be Kevin's week. That's right. Yeah. Okay. We just don't know exactly. Yeah, I guess no, we're just we know gonna, exactly. We did. We I guess we did solve that. Right?
3: Do you yeah. want me to talk about it? Sure. Why not? Talk to me. <laughs> Will you let me in? I will let you in. <laughs> Next week, we're going We're going to take all the color out of our world, guys. <laughs> oh, my God. They're both black and we're white. We're going to go with The Eyes of My Mother, which is free on Prime right now. And then we're going to go with The Lighthouse, speaking of A24.
1: Exciting.
3: Go with The Lighthouse. And that, I believe right now, is on Paramount Plus or anything that you have a Showtime add-on for. So pretty easy to find.
1: I want to break a little bit of news here, too. Just that if you've listened all the way through this episode, you get to know that we are in talks with Adrian Toffee. Oh. We have made contact. He has agreed, in principle, the filmmaker and star of Be My Cat is going to be on the podcast. He said uh, that he was, he was going to tell us, uh, that you should
2: read the message he's verbatim. Too,
1: he's too, Should I? Yeah. All right.
2: It's a great message. It was so inspiring. I've read
1: it, I've read it many times since I made. Kevin send me a screenshot.
2: Uh, of the. <laughs> this message. is my my worst fear. Like I I am actually afraid of this guy. He, <laughs> I I am so psyched. I like this feeling that I have going into
1: this. I don't know what to expect. Well, Kevin reached out to Adrian. And uh, Kevin's the guest wrangler. I don't know if we've ever actually talked about that, but all, all the guests that we talked to, that's, that's all Kevin. And he reached out to, uh, to Adrian after we talked about Be My Cat, and he got this message back. It says, Hi, thanks for the praise on the podcast and directing people to our Patreon and all that. I've just listened, and I loved your energy and passion for Be My Cat. I had lots of fun as well listening. To be honest, I was planning to respond to you that I can't do this interview this period because I'm way too busy editing our upcoming movie. But the passion you all had in the podcast changed my mind. I can make an exception. Let's do this. But I would also want to talk about our upcoming movies, not just Be My Cat, because those are our main focus right now. Thank you with the thank you emoji. Uh, He is going to make our podcast transcend.
2: He is going to make us transcend and change form.
1: (laughs) We will make him a
0: god of directing.
1: (laughs) Adrian, we will make you a god. (laughs) <laughs> oh man, I'm terrified. Hopefully he doesn't he hopefully the strike doesn't mess this one up. I don't know. I don't think he's a guild member. So we'll we'll probably be fine with Adrian. I won't bring it up. I won't mention it to him if we do talk to him.
2: I, I don't think he'd shy away from any subject. <laughs>